You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where lightning always strikes twice. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. Perhaps in this edition, because uh, there's a lot about pronouns, there's a lot about ableism, so we might be accused of being ableist, but fortunately, we're denouncing anything before we say it. Let me bring in my co-host. Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yes, freshly back from a uh, Friday night Newfound Glory concert, so you know I'm uh, still amped from that. It was a great show. Um, I also saw uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, last week. Um, so uh, got a lot of concerts under my belt in the last couple of weeks. It's, it was great. Uh, the 20th anniversary concert is the second one, and got some shirts, got some merch. Um, had some fun, uh, some friends, uh, one of, I took a friend that had been to a couple shows, uh, with me and another friend that had never seen Newfound Glory live. So it was, uh, their first experience and they were, uh, super excited. What was that person's reaction to the show? I'm interested because I've seen Newfound Glory live so many times and obviously I think they're amazing live. They're my favorite live band, but I'd be interested in the perspective of someone who's never seen them live before. It, w- it was cool because at first he was like, well, I don't know. I only know like two songs from this album. Like, you know, is it going to be, are they going to play the whole album? I was like, yeah, just wait and see, you know, and then he was like, they're going to play it in order. I'm like, yeah, they're going to pretty much play it in order. <laughs> and then they'll play other songs too, but like, you'll see. And then, uh, at the end he was just like, it was just, it's so amazing. He's like, you know, I, you know, just the way the crowd was and, you know, there's, you know, your standard, uh, pop punk style mosh pig going on. And like, you know, the, the sort of the, different ages that are there like most people are our age you know maybe you know within plus or minus like you know five six years right but then there's just a ton of people there uh uh, younger people there as well and and so he was just very he was just i think he he just hadn't seen the scene in so long as well and so there was some of it was scene based but a lot of it was just show based he was just so amazed that they're just up there just you know song after song and just their crowd interactions and everything else yeah, scene-wise, it's crazy how so many people our age still want to go and see this band. And it's to the point now that they bring up the kids of their fans to perform or participate. Yeah, uh, yeah. Show-wise, it, it's always been, for me, they're a band who actually loves what they do. A lot of bands, they don't have a lot of energy on stage or they don't love the live performing. To me, music is all about live performances and the... Albums are just a way to make money or just a way to get people to go to the live shows. So that's what makes Newfound Glory so amazing to me is that energy because they actually they actually love it, which obviously rubs off on the crowd. Yeah, there's a magic to a good live show that you can't capture, um, you know, on an album or in a video. Like you can listen to the music sometimes and, and appreciate, but being there and seeing that magic happen live is a whole different experience. Well, it's not just being there and it's not just seeing it. 
let me re- rephrase. It's not just seeing it. It's being a part of it. And what I mean by that is there's a difference between watching a video that you took of a live show or even a live sporting event and actually being at the live show or live sporting event, which is part of why I don't like when people just have their phones up the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know, when when people are at Disney and they're just walking around with their phones or they're on a ride and they've got their phone up the whole time to film it because that ex- that video of your experience will never be the same thing as the experience because there's something about the energy and sharing the energy that isn't communicated through a device like that. Yeah, exactly. But instead we, we live in a world where everyone's worried about what's being communicated through the devices and, and they're losing that direct contact with that energy. And I think that's where a lot of the farce we're talking about this week comes from. So let's get into it in life on the midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode, and I am finally caught up that I am posting the episodes on the day or the week they come out. I need to really get to on the day. That's my next goal. But I'm not a week behind anymore, William. Thanks to your, thanks to your pushing me. Right? Nice. You, you really were. You gave me permission, and I finally did it. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm so, going to give you permission next to do the shirts. So, oh, I don't know, man. School's starting. That's going to be tough, but. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. I'll make the decision to make it happen. There but you go. yeah, Patreon is Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash locals. We accept any and all support, including or perhaps mostly affirmations. I say that and then I get a lot of affirmations and I'm like, man, it would be nice if people would just subscribe. So I need to stop saying that part, I think. You know what else we need to stop saying? What our preferred pronouns are. And, and I say that not just to take the typical, you know, oh, uh, preferred pronouns are stupid. But I think this story that we're about to talk about, this person, and a quote I pulled out from this article, really shows what I always say with all of these issues, William. And it really shows kind of the absurdity of all of this. Remember how I always say, like, oh, we're back, we're backing into individualism or, like, we're we're disconnected from reality. We have a mind-body dichotomy. Well, yeah. I think pronouns are a major example of that. I've always said that about, you know, the, the transgender issues as well, and that's linked here, and I'll get into that in a second. But, I, I, you know, I think this celebrity really shows that. And fortunately, unfortunately, this is a celebrity that's been linked to the pop-punk scene. I mean, Demi Lovato has performed with We the Kings, right? She She's always been a fan of the genre. She's gone to emo night in... Uh, Echo Park in in Los Angeles. Not the same time I was there, which is unfortunate, but would have been cool to be like, hey, I was there with Demi Lovato, but I wasn't. And she's one of these younger celebrities, and I don't even know if she's younger anymore, right? What is she, late 20s, mid 20s? I don't know her age, but she's younger than us. Kind of the, I would say she's kind of the generation after us, William. And we started to see with people like her, oh, you know, anxiety, oh, Uh, mental health issues. And what I mean by that is saying they have it and saying very publicly they have it. 
And uh, she also had body image issues, right? I believe her weight has fluctuated up and down. And a lot of her stuff that she said she has or she deals with is very much about secondhandedness, very much about how other people perceive her and how how she lets that affect her. And she's not aware of it on that level. She just says she has self-image issues, but it's all very much rooted in, oh, this is how she thinks other people see her not worried about her own personal experience. And of course, this manifested in the logical thing of pronouns, where for a while she wanted to go by they, them, not by she, her. Well, this past week, my wife remarked to me, did you say that, see that Demi Lovato changed her pronouns again? And of course, you know my response, William. Why the fuck do I care? Like, do you, William, do you care ever what people say their pronouns are? Almost never. Right. And honestly, in real life, it's never it's never come up. I've never had a student in the classroom be like, call me this by this pronoun. It never happens. I have a hard enough time pronouncing people's names, right? They pronounce it. And then I try, especially uh, I have a lot of Hispanic students from like Puerto Rico or Central America, and they pronounce their names. And then I try and pronounce it back. And I try. I, I honestly try and pronounce it back with the proper accent. But I don't have the fucking proper accent. I, I didn't grow up with it. And, you know, they laugh at me and it, because they know I'm well-meaning. You know what I mean? So I don't I feel like a lot of this William, comes from interpersonal hostility as well. The fact that you need to preemptively make someone treat you properly. Isn't there an assumption in there that they're going to treat you improperly if you don't? Yeah, it's called a, a narcissistic reversal. So um, and maybe I'm letting people in on on the secret here. When I see someone who's very militant about advertising their pronouns, I immediately assume that they they could be uh, participating in what's called a narcissistic reversal. In other words, they are going to treat me poorly, so they are preemptively trying to make sure I treat them uh, uh, properly, right? Because they, they, they're, they're about to do the behavior that they claim to be afraid of or wanting to change. It's, it's like a... Uh, it's like a, a a gaslighting, right? It's a preparatory gaslighting. That's what a narcissistic reversal in action looks like, right? They well, are going to treat of... me hostily, and they're going to they're going to uh, make me say things or uh, claim that I'm doing things to them that they will certainly do to me if they are uh, a true narcissist. So, um, it's right, a, it's and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's it's a narcissistic reversal. So it's a and so I just I, it, for me it's a warning sign. It's always been a warning sign. Yeah, and exactly what you just said is, I mean, that's sort of what narcissists do in general, right? And that's the di the difficulty of the whole thing is there is a line. And I'm not an expert. I don't know what the line is. I don't know how it happens, right? I don't know if scientifically we know how it happens yet. I don't know if we have the expertise yet. But a lot of narcissism is developed from an extreme need to self-protect because they either have been through things where people did victimize them or they believe they are going to be victimized, right? So it does yeah. come from secondhandedness. Now, where is the line, right? Where is the line between secondhandedness and narcissism? I don't have that answer. And again, I don't think experts have that answer. But I think what's interesting about this Demi Lovato story is it's not that she swapped them out again. She just basically said anything is acceptable. She said, see her, she, her is acceptable and they, them is acceptable. And that shows sort of an indifference to how other people see you and an indifference to how you identify, which to me is the, the healthier thing, right? We've talked about here before, William, like, what does it mean to identify as a man? And I think the, the quote here from Demi Lovato really shows that 
she's kind of matured, and I think this is kind of the better perspective on it. Now, I wouldn't use the, the lingo here, right? She uses the word fluid. She says, for me, I'm such a fluid person that I wouldn't use that lingo because I think that lingo is uh, loaded, and I think it's coded. I Do you know what that, I mean by I, would I think say it's that coded? fluid is tainted. Right. It's t- <laughs> I like it. That was good. That was good. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So the, the fluid is tainted, right? So you don't want to get it all over you. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't use the word in that sense, but I, I don't think she is aware on that level of, and that's, this is the unfortunate thing about somebody who is secondhanded in this way. Uh, they, they're not always necessarily aware of what's going on. You know how we always talk about William, like stupid or liar or, you know, true believer versus, you know, manipulator. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily call Demi Lovato stupid, but I definitely think she's sort of a true believer and she sort of buys into this stuff because I don't think she's being manipulative. I just think she's literally trying to sort out her shit. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like someone honestly trying to engage with this, but that's, that's also the kind of sad part, right? Because there's no way to honestly engage with these sort of right. anti-concepts, right? Like you you, you you cannot fix your thinking completely while still using these broken concepts. Well, which is why we see what Demi Lovato is, right? We see who she is. Yeah. I mean, that's why yeah. she's had all these struggles, right, with the eating disorders. I think she did self-harm for a while, too. I think there might have been drugs. I mean, there's a whole list of things, right? And she's talented, too, right? And she, you know, she's a good-looking woman. So she really, by all means, shouldn't have all of these issues, right? Nobody's ever been like, fuck Demi Lovato, she's a bitch, right? No one's ever really said anything negative about her, yet she still has all these issues. Because she has whatever she's been through, and she's trying to engage with this. But that's why this quote, I think, is such a powerful and important quote. So she says, for me, I'm such a fluid person that I felt like, especially last year, my energy was balanced in my masculine and feminine energy... So that when I was faced with the choice of walking into a bathroom, it said woman and men, I didn't feel like there was a bathroom for me because I didn't feel necessarily like a woman. I didn't feel like a man. I just felt like a human. And that's the thing. Like, let's take that bathroom example, William. I don't know if you're like me, but when I go into a public restroom, I don't like look at the picture, whatever icon or, you know, sometimes you go in restaurants and they have like different like funny cheesy ways to identify what's the male and the female i don't go oh i look at that and i feel like that right i don't feel like a man when i go in the the man's bathroom right and i also don't look at the woman and go like i don't feel like a woman i just go in the men's bathroom because one that's the social convention but two that's also safer and what i mean by that is biologically based on physical strength and genitalia it makes sense for me to go in that bathroom so the idea that she's like i just felt like a human that's something i've said a lot of times what does it really mean to feel like a man what does it mean to feel like a woman Mm -hmm. yeah i i I think that the there's this why I, i just can't imagine walking in front of a bathroom and having this sort of existential crisis like this is not this is something you do all the time. Like, do, does it say human on your bathroom at home? Or did, did she have to put a human sign there? I don't know. I'm trying not to <laughs> belittle this because I'm not trying to, right? Um, or I'm not trying not to sound belittling because I'm not belittling this. This is clearly like some sort of psychological problem, right? This obsession right. with uh, with your masculine and feminine energy and and 
integrating it and having a having a emotional response to going to a public restroom. Like, well, but William, even what you just said, your masculine and feminine energy and, you know, getting it to work together or whatever, or she uses the term balance. Do you ever have a time during the day where you feel something? You feel energy, right? We were just talking about a newfound glory concert, right? Yeah. I think one of the things is it's pretty evenly gender wise there, right? Yeah. Every yeah. gender. I mean, and when I say every gender, you can have two spirits there. Like, I don't go around and ask what people fucking identify as a newfound glory concert, but there are people who present male and present female, right? So it's pretty evenly split. Yeah. Is there any point there where you're like, oh, the energy feels female right now. The energy feels male or during the day, anything you do when what a wave of energy passes over you, right? <laughs> do you ever like classify that energy as a gender or do you classify it for me personally? I classify it more as like, oh, this is a reaction to this stimuli or this is an emotion it's associated with. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think like maybe like maybe the the most connected I guess you could be to the masculine like that is probably during sex, right? Like that's only like I'm trying to think of an example where like it would like it actually people and people even play with that concept in sex too, right? You have people that cross-dress and things like that. But like outside of that, like it's more about being you, like it resonating with you, right? Right, right. The energy is like, this is me. When yeah, that yeah. energy and, and, happens, and, and, it's and like, sex, it's, it's still that too. You know, that's right. why I was like, that's why I came back to it. Because it's like, yes, maybe I could classify that as, you know, you know, the strongest of my masculine, like part of my quote unquote energy, right? Part of my, here we're talking about the spiritual, right? Where we don't have a lot of good words, but um, you know, that's probably the closest I could think of like off the top of my head. Right. And, oh, I just lost. I was going to say something in regards. Oh, yeah. That goes back to the what I've always said, where there's the irony here about social constructs here, right? They say gender is a social construct, but then they're talking within themselves, right? Or in this case, she's talking within herself about, oh, male and female energy or feeling like a man and feeling like a woman. Isn't that all just a social construct at that point? Yeah. I mean, I do. I don't even necessarily disagree with the idea that like, oh, you know, women wearing pink is a, a, a social construct, right? Maybe yeah. somewhere down the lines, like I'm not enough of a, a social scientist, right? I'm not enough of an anthropologist to say that maybe down the line, it, women tended to be more attracted to softer colors like pink. And that's why pink was associated with with femininity. But that's kind of a social construct. Like there's nothing biologically hard coded. That's like, Oh, I feel pink right now. I feel like a woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've talked about pronouns, oh, let's boy. talk about isms. Let's talk about oppression. This is the other thing when we're talking about the, the quote unquote oppression Olympics, like everyone always says, and let's talk about slurs. So, we go from one sort of pop star to the ultimate pop star in Beyonce. So no one is safe here, right? No one is safe here. Beyonce was accused of being ableist because in her new song, Heated, on her new album, which came out this week, she had an ableist slur. So disability campaigners, and we specifically mean people on the internet, demanded that she change the song demanded that she not present herself as ableist. They said, you know, this is this is wrong, right? 
Now, William, you wanted to play a game here, right? And have people guess. Were we able to do that or no? No, no. I wanted people to guess what the uh, what the uh, word was, and I didn't have time to edit it out because you know why, Justin? It took me forever to find the original version. It's been scrubbed off the internet already. You can't see it on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Amazon, uh, MP3. Uh, uh, I had to scour the deep dark web to find uh, the original version, which I I'm sure it will get. Uh, Copy struck where I found it, but it's currently available. I have both the original and the uh, updated, new and improved version, with or without the slur. So maybe we can well, play first both of and all, see and see if people can catch the slur if I play both versions. Yeah, we'll do that. But first of all, I want to say just very briefly: this is why you own physical copies. <laughs> yeah. Right. If there's something you love and there's a physical copy out there right now, and you can afford it, own the physical copy. That way, when things get changed in the future. You always have that copy of it, right? This is the danger of streaming. So yeah, let's play the two. Uh, let's play the two. Are we going to tell them which one is the original version, which one's the new version, or are we just going to play both? I'm just going to play both, and then we'll see. We'll see if we can find it. Here we go. Here's the okay. Here's one so version. you have you have two assignments. You have two assignments because there's something interesting going on here. Well, there's multiple interesting things, but first of all, what do you think the slur is? And second of all, which of these do you think sounds better? Alright, so that's about enough about that. Let's see. Here we go. All right, there we go. What's the what's the uh, ableist slur, Justin? I think the person who should be most offended from all of this is just Buster Rhymes. It sounds like a bad Buster Rhymes impersonation from the nineties, doesn't it? It does. Now, now, I hope the audio quality isn't uh, isn't an issue because it's. Uh, I had to use two different apps to get this to work. So, uh, but we uh, we got it out there. So uh, I'm looking. At the I don't Discord think the audio quality anyone... is the issue with this. Just. <laughs> Oh, people people okay. make people like this, Justin. <laughs> Look, Beyonce's got some good stuff, dude. Like Beyonce is very, very talented. I get why she's as popular as she is. This is not it. Perhaps we can blame this on Drake, because he's the co-writer. Yeah, and yeah, he's a co-writer. You guys know how much I hate Drake. So uh so the slur here the slur here is spazin. Spazin. You could probably guess that if you looked at the episode title, right? This is the spazin edition of Welcome to the Midside. When, when she says spazzin on that ass, that is considered offensive. She changed it to blastin on that ass. Now, we can argue about the T sound, right? But to address the second point, I actually think it sounds better as blastin, William. I think blastin yeah. on that ass, and then what? Uh, she says, pass me that glass. Yeah. Like that, right? I think that AS sound makes a, it, it, it sounds a lot better than the AZ sound. Although AZ and AST don't sound that different. So... Yeah. Now, here's the thing. It does mean two different things to spaz and to blast, right? So when we're talking about spazzing on someone's ass and blasting on someone's ass, 
you know, and I don't understand why spazzing would be better, but technically spazzing is sort of arrhythmic, right? There's a loss of control there. So maybe it's yeah. to emphasize the, the loss of control is why they use spaz. Maybe that's the point is, you know, she's so attractive that you're spazzing rather than being in control of blasting. So the essential meaning of whatever they were going for, and I'm giving them a lot of credit right now with my lyrical analysis here, is changed. And it's changed because of so-called ableism. Now I'm going to read a quote from uh, an article here to to say what they're saying with spaz, right? Because, William, spaz was a term that in the 90s was used to just insult people, right? Quit, yeah. Stop being a spaz, which yeah. was like you lost control, gain control back, and you'll conduct yourself with some dignity. So this is what the quote says. Although the word spaz is often used colloquially to describe freaking out or going crazy, it is derived from the word spastic. Okay, that makes sense. Which is considered demeaning to people with spastic cerebral palsy. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the disorder affects a person's ability to control their muscles, especially in their arms and legs. Now, William, I will say the same thing about this word that I say about the word retarded. If you go up to a person with Down syndrome and that you call them retarded, you're an asshole. If you go up to someone with spastic cerebral palsy and you call them a spaz, you're an asshole. But at the same time, it is preferable not to have these conditions. Would you say the quality of life of someone with spastic cerebral palsy is equivalent to the quality of life of someone without William? Uh, all things being equal, I wouldn't have to say no. Okay. So then, is it even really a slur in the sense that you're insulting those people? When you use it against them, yeah. But contextually, um, connotatively, it would be a bad thing to spaz. So what are we trying to normalize, saying spazzing like it's a, a good thing? Also, is this song even saying spazzing is a good thing? Or, or, sorry, is it saying spazzing is a bad thing? Because the way it's kind of describing it is like a good thing, right? It's good that yeah. you're spazzing on that ass. Yeah. And also, okay. the final thing here, William, is how many people actually have this? That we're now censoring mainstream music, right? There are 350 million people in the United States of America. Let's assume that's the audience, right? How many of those people have spastic cerebral palsy? How many of those people know someone with it? So, we're censoring something for everyone to genuflect to help a very infinitesimally small group of people are we not yeah let's rewrite history we've 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 rewritten history right in a small way yeah and this i think that's the larger issue here justin it's like you were saying about the physical media things are just being disappeared right like the great thing, the great thing about the internet is it never forgets. But for the mainstream folks, this, 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 this will go down the memory hole, right? And this and thousands of little things are getting edited and changed, and they get you know thrown down the memory hole. I mean, we've seen it with Wikipedia and the uh, definition of inflation, right? The definition of inflation used to be uh, two quarters of uh, uh, economic contraction in a row, and now it's it's just that definition is just gone, right? It's gone from Wikipedia, gone from you know, economics websites everywhere, just gone. Yeah. And I mean, that is just a greater 
effect of what you're referring to, it's the control. When we control the language, we're controlling how other people interact with reality. I mean, it actually goes back to the last story, right? It goes back to the whole Demi Lovato thing of what does it mean to feel like a man? What does it mean to feel like a woman? Constantly checking yourself. What does it mean to feel like an ableist? What does it mean to be an ableist? Right? I mean, they would probably say the rhetoric I've used to describe the situation is ableist because I'm saying it's better to be able than to be unable. Right? If we literally say there's no difference between being able and unable, I don't even know how you have any sort of values. How do you even exist? And I think that's what you're talking about. We put all the positives down the memory hole from history and, and, and look at what they have done with the founding, right? Was it the 1619 Project, yeah, William? Yeah. Is that what it's yeah, called? That's that. That's a prime example of what you're talking about. Trying to memory hole all the good things that were done because the idea is there's no such thing as those good things. Right. That's, you can't that's talk really about those good scarier. things until you acknowledge every single bad thing ever done to anyone any, at any time by any people. Right. right. In but words, even fundamentally, even though, misery, even though misery was the default condition on Earth, so we could just spend the rest of right. our lives just documenting misery and the and and the horror of the past. Exactly yeah. what you just said is the more fundamental point. Is they're actually erasing the difference here. This goes back to what you just what you said earlier about what was it the narcissistic? What was it? Narcissistic reversal. Nar- this is the narcissistic reversal, where they're saying, oh. You know, it's ableist to say that, you know, spaz, to call, say, you know, spaz, to say that term is, is ableist, right? Or it's ableist to say it's good to be able and bad to be yeah, unable. And, and let's just think, hold on, pause your thought. Remember, she's describing a behavior, not a person. Right. Right? And so it's even one step removed from that. But anyways, continue. Right. So they say, oh, you know, that's ableist. You're a bad person. But really what they're doing is... They're breaking down the concept of good and bad completely, so there is no such thing as good or bad. So even with the 1619 Project or acknowledging all the bad things that happened, well, they're saying, oh, those people are bad because they saw other people as bad. And again, I'm not in this case, I'm not defending the racism and slavery of the past, obviously. Right. But when we say anything that happened, it was bad. Those people were bad for thinking that other people were bad. Their entire point is there's no such thing as good or bad. So... Really, what they want to do is just destroy all society, tear everything down. Because if you have no system of judging what's good and bad, you can't make improvements. You can't get out of the misery. All there is is misery. Because let's apply this. Let's apply this elsewhere. Right? Yeah. Epilepsy, William. What if you talk about seizing, right? What if you say, oh, that person seized up? Oh, that's ableist. Right. That's true. But isn't that valid? Because can't you be so afraid you seize up? Or, you know, if you seize something, aren't you taking something from somebody else and stopping them from being able to use it? But seize is short for seizure, isn't it? Yeah. Because the process of seizure is the process of stopping or taking. So seize is short for seizure, just like spaz is short for spastic. See where I'm going here? So if we're going to apply this equally, we have to say we can't use the word seize anymore because it's offensive to people who have epilepsy because they have seizures. Yep. 
it'll never end. I mean, that's the that's the thing about progression, right? And progress and progressivism it must it must continue, must progress. Well, right, and that's a whole other discussion about defining yourself as a progressive or not, as if progress is the only one thing that matters, <laughs> as if that's the fundamental value. Exactly. Although, as we see here, if you actually go with that perspective, real progress becomes impossible because they're defining progress as everyone being equal, equal being outcome, and then we're all just in misery. But when you talk about progression and it never ending, well, we have to look no further than what California and Illinois did this week. They both declared states of emergency over monkeypox. The governors of California and Illinois declared states of emergency to bolster their monkeypox vaccination efforts as the virus spreads nationwide. Monday's declaration comes as more than 5,800 probable or confirmed cases of monkeypox have been reported in the U.S. So again, as we were just saying, 350 million people. Here, it's 5,800. California had more than 800 cases Tuesday, while Illinois had more than 500, according to data from the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Expanding the pool of eligible vaccinators will substantially aid current efforts and support anticipated further vaccination efforts upon receipt of additional doses from the federal government, the California proclamation said. William, I I have a question about this because this goes back to labeling and everything. I'm assuming this is just a legal thing, right? That this is the, the governors of California and Illinois getting around their laws to be able to push their agenda. And what I mean by that is if they're trying to do it to ramp up vaccinations, right? And yeah. it says the eligible vaccinators will be substantially in current efforts. to expanding the pool of eligible vaccinators will substantially aid current efforts and support anticipated further vaccination efforts. Isn't this just a way of them funding things without having to go through the process of funding things? Yeah. No, the normal uh, it process? Serves two, yeah, it serves two things. It lets them get around their normal checks and balances because it's a state of emergency, right? And then uh, uh, the second thing is it lets them activate and spend money that's not in their budget. So, yeah. And and probably get some free shit from the federal government, too. So maybe maybe two and a half things. Yeah, that was in the article. I didn't really focus on that part. But, I mean, it's still all part of that. It's it's changing what does it mean to experience, you know, an emergency, right? When we're talking about what does it mean to experience masculine and feminine energy? Well, what does it mean? To, what is an emergency? They're playing fast and loose with that term. Because right? I certainly don't think this is an emergency. And I'm going to ask you something in a second that could be considered offensive. But also it's the same thing with the word spaz and considering things, you know, ableist and unable bad. We're not distinguishing between healthy behavior and unhealthy behavior. We're not distinguishing between what it means to be in an emergency or not. And this started with COVID. And this leads into the next quote, William. No, baby. I don't know anyone with monkeypox. I don't right? either. Okay. And do you see why that could be considered offensive? Yes. Let's get to the next quote from the governor of Illinois. I'm declaring a state of emergency to expand the resources and coordination efforts of state agencies in responding to treating and preventing the spread of monkeypox virus. In Illinois, we will ensure our LGBTQ plus community has the resources they need to stay safe while ensuring members are not stigmatized as they access critical health care. William, I thought this didn't disproportionately affect the gay community. 
Well, Isn't that what we've been talking about? We have to withhold, we, you have to hold this contradiction in your mind in order to uh, achieve woke sin. You have to say a statement like this and hold that belief that you just said at the same time. In other words, you have to say that this is not a gay disease. And also because of, you know, the history of AIDS and HIV and, you know, the government not doing enough. You also have to hold in your mind that uh, they're going to they're going to rush these vaccines out to the gays. Well, it's it's not a gay disease. It's not a disease that's sexually attracted to other diseases of the same gender. Uh, it, I, it might be. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not trying to identify the disease, but that's the that those that's the contradiction you have to hold in your head. I mean, yeah, it's like, why, why is this so why are we brushing this under the rug? This is from people having orgies. That's where this is spreading. That's where the super spreader events are happening. I'm, there are other situations too, but primarily this is spreading through orgies. Well, this here I'm is, not using here. I'm not romanticizing or anything. The, the, multiple sex partners having sex at the same time, right? Because it's it's spread through skin to skin contact, correct? Yes. Prolonged yes. skin to skin contact. Now, I'm a wrestling coach, so this is something I'm aware of, right? Because we're yes. talking about yes. prolonged. I said there are other situations where it can be spread, right? Right. Yep. right. But it, I haven't seen it yet, right? Well, I'll let you know when we get in the season. I will only let you know if it happens. Right. But I doubt it. Well, right. Because there are other things going on during orgies. Right. It's not just people's skin touching. Right. Other fluids are being exchanged. Right. And, you know, there's more intimacy and a different type of contact at that point. Right. Yes. yes. But here's the thing. You declare a state of emergency and that scares people. Right. Because they hear emergency monkey bugs and people start getting paranoid. People start getting paranoid where they get right, a bump but on their not skin. Giving out, they're not giving out the uh, the right information. You can right. reduce your risk of getting this by not participating in orgies. Okay, I'm going to ask you to unpack something that might be a little... Cancelable? Uh, yes, cancelable. Let's, actually, that's a great term. But that might be a little cancelable. So okay. if you don't feel comfortable, uh, all right. but you well, will. We'll so. pre-disavow it. So. Right. You've linked something here. That I am okay with you linking because I understand what you're saying, but could you please explain the link between the gay community and orgies? <laughs> well, there is a segment of the gay community uh, that uh, are very promiscuous. This is this is a well documented thing. I'm going to go historical for a second. It's well documented that there were a small group of folks that um, were super spreaders during the AIDS epidemic. And when I say super spreaders, I mean that there was one flight attendant that infected something like 5,000 people or something ridiculous. Right? Which is predictable. I'm sorry. It's predictable. It is. If you're a person who's going to go around and have a lot of sex and your job is a flight attendant, like if I'm making, like if I'm doing like a, a a police investigation, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. Why has that never been done? Actually, I, I, I lied. That is done, right? At the end yeah. of Army of the Dead, where yeah. is where he's uh, Van Ho is on a uh, he's on an airplane, right? And he's going to go to he's on his way to Mexico. And then the next movie's called uh, Planet of the Dead, right? So that had, look at how smart Zack Snyder is, right? Yeah, yeah. So instead of getting this information out in a responsible manner of like, hey, there's this thing that you need to be on the lookout for, um. You know, we're focusing very much on not stigmatizing an action when uh, 
shouldn't we be stigmatizing at least slightly uh, the disease being uh, the fact that this kind of behavior spreads disease? Like that's like we can stigmatize that this behavior can spread disease, right? I guess that's what I'm trying to phrase. Right. Well, not, well wait, I'm not stigmatizing gays by saying don't have orgies because guess what? No, uh, don't have orgies not, is just my general advice. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. It has nothing to do with being gay or not. Yeah. Right? Let's expand well, well, this let's back flip to it around. Hold on. Let's flip it around real quick. Also, being gay, it's not like once you are gay, you are compelled to participate in orgies. That's the other thing, too, right? Like it's the it's weird to me that we're we're we we can say, hey, don't have sex with multiple partners for the next couple of weeks. That way, with this monkeypox shit, can die off, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe well, only have I, sex with. Three I'm, I'm going to say something cancelable. Limit right five. Now. Limit five per week. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say something cancelable right now, based upon oh, uh, what what you're saying. I do think there is something psychologically, not for all people, right, but for some people. When you can have sex with no risk of uh, impregnating someone. I do think that there is a greater urge for some people that they can be more free with it. Does that make yeah. sense, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, right. I think so. And I think that's why I'm I'm saying that because I think that's why some people in the gay community, right? Some people who I don't even want to say gay community. Some people who are attracted to other people who they cannot impregnate. So I'm not even going to put gender into this. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. It doesn't. It can be somebody who's sterile, right? What? Whatever, right? I think at that point people are like, "Oh, well, then there are no negative consequences to me seeking this pleasure." They're ignoring the disease side of things. Yeah. And we saw this with AIDS, and we see this with monkeypox. But the greater point you're saying about stigmatizing things, I think we saw this with COVID as well. Where we didn't want to stigmatize unhealthy behaviors that made someone higher risk, right? We yeah. didn't want to stigmatize obesity. We didn't want to stigmatize, I'm going to be even simpler than that. We didn't want to stigmatize unclean behavior. Do you know what I mean by that? Like yes. people who yes. go out in public and they don't worry about, you know, as I said, we talked about six feet, right? Let's just take six feet. I don't fucking go near random people if I don't have to. That's part of why I left California. You can't get away from being within six feet of people at all fucking times if you go out in public. You know, it can be bad here. Don't get me wrong. I go to Disney and it can be bad there. But even then, like, when I'm walking around at Disney, I'm trying to not walk next to random fucking people. But there are people who will walk right next to you or walk behind you, right behind you in your personal space. Why do we not stigmatize that, right? I mean, Japanese culture very much stigmatizes people who are not germaphobic. Yeah. So why do we not stigmatize that? We have a lot in our society that we do not stigmatize. Why do we not stigmatize not cleaning up after yourself? Yeah. All of these things will eventually lead to disease and it actually leads to the next article. But well, that I, is the I, greater point here. Yeah, I want to yeah. connect something that you just connected uh, just yeah. uh, on the surface. When we go back to COVID, uh, I think uh, Dr. Drew and Adam were talking a lot about this. We should have been stigmatizing diet and exercise. Yes. Right? Like, yes. if you're obese, should, this will kill COVID. you. Not even COVID. Just stigmatize it in general. Yeah, but hold on. But we weren't allowed to. And right. guys, this is exactly this is exactly the same thing happening for monkeypox right now. Now, I don't think monkeypox is that big of a deal. 
um, you know, heaven forbid I, I contract it or something. Uh, but you know, the, the risks are, uh, there's a risky behavior associated that will, oh, sorry, there's a behavior that if you take it, you have a higher risk of getting. All right. So we know that we knew that with COVID too, and we weren't allowed to talk about it. And we're not allowed to talk about the risk behavior of having multiple sex partners, um, in general and simultaneously being the major way this gets spread. We're not allowed to talk about that either. And that's just very strange to me, right? Because well, this, is an opportunity, little... this is an opportunity, like, think of all the other risky behaviors that these kinds of, I won't get into that, because that, that'll be really, uh, be told I'm stigmatizing the community. I've seen but what I can, risky I, behaviors I can go get, on. I can get into it because we don't, we don't need to limit it again. William, we don't need to limit this to any gender, race, yeah. age, yep. sexuality, because it goes back to the last two articles. When we get yep. to the point, right, where we're saying there's no such thing as you know being able or unable isn't good or bad. It just is. Yeah. Right. That goes back to Demi Lovato standing in front of a bathroom saying, well, what energy do I feel like? I don't feel like a man. I don't feel like a woman. I feel man, like a I human. I feel like a woman. Whatever. Right. Uh, right. Exactly. Uh, every time um, Shania Twain goes to the bathroom, does she go, man, I feel like a woman and then goes into the woman's room. Right. I think so. But it, it goes backwards towards that. It goes all the way back to Demi Lovato standing there in front of a bathroom is wondering what she feels like because it's it's based upon feeling and it's not based upon what you just said, stigmatizing certain behaviors to minimize risk. Right. If you want to talk about Adam and Drew, Adam always talks about risk reduction. If I'm Demi Lovato, right, which bathroom is riskier for me to go in? You mean emotionally, right? Like, which one will hurt her spirit? <laughs> yes. I mean, okay. no. I mean, endangering her life. Okay. Right, yeah. in the short term, right? Because, okay, you can argue emotional damage hurts you in the long term, and I agree. But in the short term, what presents more of a physical risk for her? Going in the men's room, correct? That is correct. Well, that's what we're all the way back with monkeypox too here, right? What kind of behavior hurts these people's lives, hurts any person's life in the short term? Yeah. Isn't yeah. going to a bunch of fucking orgies, and maybe that's redundant, uh, <laughs> isn't that well, going to endanger you? Well, I'm going to be in Vegas next week, so I'm going to have to avoid, I'll do my best to avoid all the orgies and the monkeypox. Um, I would never think there'd know. be I more mean, of these orgies in San Francisco than Vegas, but I just Ah, uh, well, so. it's a hacker conference, so, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. You never know. There's a lot of, a lot of alcohol flowing. But yeah, it's, it's a, it, it, I, I, I think you've, uh, you're 100% correct. So I know it doesn't say, uh, William, or it doesn't say Justin, but. William, my degree from FU says you are 100% correct. We're 100% correct on this one, <laughs> Justin, so. I love how you just said I was 100% correct and then played a drop of saying you're 100% correct. That you're agreeing that with me that you're 100% correct. <laughs> well, this is how correct I am. This actually leads into the most farcical story of the week, which is the logical conclusion of all of this, which South Park already did it. Remember South Park had that episode Simpsons did it? Yeah. South Park has already handled all of this. So, logically, this is about Portland, okay? And in North Portland, there's a homeless encampment where someone is charging rent for quote-unquote houseless people to stay. So I love how in this headline, right, the headline says North 
Portland homeless encampment charges rent for houseless people to stay. They have contradictory adjectives within the headline. You don't even need the second adjective, William. If it's a homeless encampment and people are staying there, isn't it assumed they're homeless? Well, but if they're paying rent, aren't they technically no longer homeless? Well, that that's the other thing. That's why they call them houseless, right? Because yeah. if they're just living they don't in have a, a fucking house. field. Yeah. They right. have a tent. And they're paying right. a rent. They're, they're, they're fucking camping. Right. So this person is charging them to camp. So here's the deal. About three years ago, Angel Grace Brown moved her tent onto the city-owned land. She describes it as a safe place. And over the years, she invited others to camp there as well. Now she charges people 200 per month to camp there. Some of that money goes towards camp maintenance. And I'm going to go forward. I'm, gonna just, I'm jumping around in the article here. I'm not reading it straight through. I've been watching this place for about three or four years, she said, walking down the dirt path that leads to her RV and campsite. It's tucked away in the trees by the railroad tracks. It's safe. It's behind fences. Brown acknowledges that the camp sits on city property, but said she's taking over regardless. She put up no trespassing signs and chains to try and keep people out. As for camp rules, she says people aren't allowed to steal or do anything illegal. We're just trying to make a safe haven for us away from the city because they're not treating us well at all. I mean, on one hand, William, like this is absolutely insane. But on the other hand, didn't she just say what the colonists said when they founded America? We're just yeah. trying to make a safe haven away from a, a safe haven for us away from them because they're not treating us well at all. Isn't that basically no taxation without representation? It's I the guess. same thing. I mean, isn't this it? is I I've. I'm just baffled because it's like we're going to we're taking this city land we're going to put a fence around it uh, a wall some might say and uh, then we're going to uh, exclude others right and then we're going to implement rule of law and then what like what this is this is Chaz but also this is also the founding fathers it's very strange but but that's that's exactly the point is you can't get away from this. This goes back to everything we've already said, right, about the idea of like we're not minimizing risk. We're breaking everything down. We're getting rid of the ability to cho choose between what is good, what is bad. And we're all just going to live in misery because the point is logistically to exist. You need to act as if you're trying to improve or at least protect your life. And this is what South Park did, right? The South Park episode, Die, Hippie, Die. Where they're they're talking to hippies about how they're going to break down society and change things and live in a new way, which is what Angel Grace Brown and the other houseless people are doing here, right? And like you said, Chaz, right? And the kids are trying to understand it, and they respond to them. So I think we have the drop here. From it's one of my favorite South Park moments. So it seems like we have enough people now. When do we start taking down the corporations? Yeah, man, the corporations. Right now, they're raping the world for money. Yeah, so where are they? Let's go get them. Right now, we're proving we don't need corporations. We don't need money. This can become a commune where everyone just helps each other. Yeah, we'll have one guy who, like, who like makes bread. And one guy who, like, looks out for other people's safety. You mean, like, a baker and a cop? No, no, can't you imagine a place where people live together and, like, provide services for each other in exchange for their services? Yeah, it's called a town. You kids just haven't been to college yet. But just you wait. This thing is about to get huge. Well, and ironically, this episode was years ago, and it has gotten huge, and it's led to the North Portland homeless encampment here. 
where you could argue this this quote, William, from South Park, this little scene is a a straw man. That's what yeah. know, supporters of communism would say. It's a straw man. Straw man. Yeah. But this literal event that's happening at this homeless encampment proves that wrong. This is the only logical conclusion. What is the alternative? There is no alternative to creating some sort of structure where people have to live together and figure out a system to make that work. Yeah. It has to be voluntary. We have to stop crime. I mean, let's be honest. The number one reason why a homeless person won't go into the shelter is because they can't drink or do drugs. Like, this is just a known thing. So when they're talking about not not allowing any illegal activity, I'm going to put question marks there. Yeah, now you're really getting canceled. You're going down the um, you're going down the Doctor Drew line of thinking. Right? Oh, we're talking well, yeah, about I'll never I'll ne- yeah. people. Yep, I'll never be able to serve on whatever that council that they're trying to get him on. They're trying to get that actual doctor on a a council to deal with the homeless problem, and they uh, they, they canceled Doctor Drew from the, yeah. from the council before he even was up. Before he was even nominated, or he even said anything or did anything about it. Well, right, and that goes back to the whole, the double speak, the double think of all of it is, right, wouldn't we want an actual doctor on that? Oh, no, we're just going to reverse it, engineer everything, and end up in the same place we're at, just at lesser quality. And that's what's mind-blowing about it all, right? That, yeah, Demi Lovato is going down, and she's trying to figure out what gender she identifies as and feels as, and all she's done is made her life work worse to end up in the same place we were already at, which is just pick the bathroom that's safer for you. Right? Yep. Same thing with Beyonce. Beyonce is just trying to make the music that sounds best, but we're trying to get to the place we were already at where she's trying to market to most people. Right? It, it, it's all... It, this is this story about the homeless encampment is just like the perfect embodiment of farce because if you just look at it, you don't even have to analyze it and pick it apart. You just look at it and you're like, well, yeah, that shows how absurd the whole thing is. Yeah, and the fact that we can connect it directly to a South Park sketch means we've uh, we've achieved that unification of uh, farce and reality, right? We've uh, we've connected the realms, right? We, we've uh, we've we've made a tra- a transcendent uh, connection here uh, between speaking of the farce and it trying to point out a, a, a danger and then actually experiencing it. The, the, we've we've pointed out on the show that that cycle is getting smaller and smaller. All right, then, since the cycle is getting smaller and smaller, let's just stop it all together and let's just talk about some fiction and stop talking about reality. How does that sound? Sounds great to let's, me. Let's do it in the hopeful romantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. You just go to themidside.com or themidside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link, and in there is the join link. So you just join us. You can drop stories in there and help influence the show. You can talk with other midsiders. You can talk with us if you have a question for us. Sometimes people tag us and we respond. Or you can participate in Trailer Takedown. In a few minutes here, 
We're going to talk about some trailers, talk about if we hug or tackle them, and we'll share a couple of perspectives from some midsiders. First, though, I want to review Bullet Train. As always, I'm going to read my letterbox review, my one sentence, and then sort of unpack that a little bit. I said, if you took Deadpool and crossed it with Under Siege 2 and Kill Bill, you'd get Bullet Train, and it would be exactly as insane and awesome as that combination sounds. So Bullet Train is completely unreal. It's completely over the top. It stars Brad Pitt, who has been assigned by his handler to take a briefcase full of money from a bullet train in Japan. And when he's on there, there are a bunch of other people trying to perform their assignments as well. Bunch of hitmen, bunch of very bad people. And it all revolves around eventually the most feared gangster in Japan. And I say gangster, we're talking about Japan, so it's very traditional with samurai and samurai swords and things like that. Ultimately, the movie is about fate. And, you know, you don't have to agree with it, right? So I don't necessarily agree with this theme. I want to be clear about that. You don't have to agree with a theme for it to be a good movie and an entertaining movie. And, you know, I don't agree with fate. I don't agree with the concept of fate, right? And ultimately, there's a lot about luck, Right. And how luck influences people in this movie. You know, Brad Pitt's character believes he has bad luck. Another character believes she has good luck. And ultimately, the movie is, you know, there is no good or bad luck. It's just fate pushing you to where you're supposed to be. And, you know, all we see how everything intertwines as as the movie progresses and as the movie culminates. The key thing here, though, is I very, very carefully picked the movies that I compared this movie to. So when you talk about Under Siege 2, well, I picked that because Under Siege 2, William, have you ever seen Under Siege 2? I don't remember if I have. I've definitely seen the first one, but I don't know if I remember the second one. Okay, well, Under Siege was described basically as Die Hard on a Boat. Yeah. Right. So after the success of Die Hard, people were trying to do clones. One of those clones was Steven Seagal, was a cook on a boat that some militants tried to take over. It was a Navy vessel, and he saves everyone. So very much Die Hard on a boat. Wonder Siege 2 is the same thing. Die Hard on a train. Whereas Die Hard 2 took place in an airport, Under Siege 2 took place on a train. So Steven Seagal was there, and he and his everyman character had to save everyone. Well, it's the same thing here with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's character is sort of like the He's sort of like John McClane, where he's an everyman, although he's more skilled in the sense that he's trained to do smash and, jo- uh, smash and grab jobs, as he says. But he's also kind of Bob Belcher, where you know how Bob's Burgers, Bob is kind of just like annoyed and he just wants to do what he needs to do and get out and no one will let him? Yeah. that That's what Brad, per- uh, Brad Pitt's character is like here. So I very carefully picked Under Siege 2. I picked Deadpool because not only is this by the director of Deadpool, but this is very sort of meta and self-referential and tongue-in-cheek. This is not a movie that's meant to be taken like super seriously and super dramatic. It's an action comedy, but it relies more on the action than the comedy. We're not talking about a Kevin Hart Rock action comedy. We're talking about a Deadpool action comedy. And then finally with Kill Bill, because all of this revolves around the ultimate bill character writing kill bill was all about the bride uma thurman getting to david carradine 
And here it was all about getting to the the main gangster, the White Death. I won't say who who plays him, but they make an effort to conceal who plays him until the final act, until the denouement of the movie. All of that said, this is highly entertaining. Uh, this is one of my top movies of the year. I would give this a bromantic rating. Uh, I don't give it a so a so bromantic because I think some of what's done is unnecessarily over the top, and I think maybe they went right to the edge of their budgets. And it's probably because I'm used to watching Zack Snyder movies, but Zack Snyder does well at maximizing his budget, so the special effects don't look super obviously fake, whereas here it was kind of done that way, and some of the stuff was a little over the top. And also, obviously, I don't agree agree with the theme, right? Although the, the character arcs work work perfectly within it. So technically, I can't really knock it on a lot, which is why I rank it so high. And it's also very entertaining. So a lot of spectacle. Uh, there is catharsis. There can be catharsis even if you disagree with it, right? So I, I would highly recommend this movie. I, I had high expectations for this movie. I was excited for it, and it exceeded my expectations. All right, let's move on to Trailer Takedown. Every week, I post the trailers we're going to talk about in the Discord. That gives you a chance to watch them. And if you want to leave some comments, you can do so. And, you know, if your comments are worthwhile, yeah, I'm going to judge whether your comments are worthwhile or not. Uh, I'll read them on air. Otherwise, if you want to, you know, watch all the trailers, then listen to the episode, or listen to the episode, then watch all the trailers, or alternate. Watch a trailer, we talk about it. Watch a trailer, we talk about it. You can do whatever you want. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Andor is a new Disney Plus Star Wars sequel. Sequel series. Sorry. Because I get confused here. Look. Uh, you know, GS says this looks compelling to him because he liked Ro- Ro- Rogue One and it appears on par with that. Um, I think that... Oh, I thought it was him that said it looks cinematic, but he didn't. Uh, the Rogue One thing is what I wanted to to call out here because this series is a prequel to rogue one, but I thought rogue one was a prequel to a new hope. So it's just like how many prequels of prequels of prequels are we going to be doing here? And I don't like, I feel bad for star Wars fans, William. Like there's just so much content for them to keep up with nowadays. It's just, I just, I just couldn't do it. I mean, that's part of like, part of why I've never really been super into franchises and everything because they tend to overdo it. I mean, before with star Wars, I know there was like the expanded universe with the books and everything, but now this is like star Wars was a movie and now they're doing so many movies and shows. So you guys know, I've never been a star Wars guy. Although I do think the third act of rogue one is pretty good. And I do agree with GS that it looks pretty on par with uh, the third act of rogue one, but I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch this tackle. Tackle. Yeah, this is uh, this is something I'm going to comment on briefly. Maybe we can expand it in a future show. I think woke storytelling, they're, they're stuck in never moving the world forward, right? The, they, they can only subvert and destroy. They can't move it forward. Meaning, like, there's a ton of things in this Star Wars universe that are just completely unexplored. And they can't help themselves. All they can do is live in the, in the things... Uh, that that others built and just try to subvert them. That's the only thing they can do. They can't move the world forward, right? There's there's, there's a ton of th- directions you could go in the Star Wars universe and move the world, 
forward. It's the same in the Star Trek uh, universe, right? We had to reboot and redo, and, and there's the Kelvin timeline. We never move it forward. Even with Picard, they're not moving the story or of, of, of the culture of the Federation forward. They're revisiting the Borg and Data and Picard and right and and cybernetics and nothing they're not moving the world forward they're just destroying a bunch of things um but hey this is a prequel to a prequel i think this is something that i would watch if only to live in the star wars universe for a bit um but there's a danger you know we've had all the other movies all the other subversions is this uh is this uh you know the how disney will this be is the real question Right? How woke will this be? How how uh, are we going to destroy? It looks like the main character is a male. Are we going to destroy? I mean, we know he dies in the end, right? Are we going to see him be toxically masculine, or are we going to see actual, you know, actual heroic uh, uh, choices and dilemmas in a in, in a in a hero's journey? I don't know, but hey, it's worth a try. Um, so I'm going to very lightly uh, hug this one. Netflix and hug. Second trailer. Devotion is a movie about a pilot in the Korean War. This pilot is, insert your PC term here, black, African-American, whatever you want to use. And uh, that's about all I got from this trailer. Right? I didn't really see like a conflict or anything. I didn't really see anything interesting. Um, we got Midsider Ed Joe saying it looks interesting enough to sit through. He said there are guns and explosions. It's not something he would go out of his way to see, but if someone suggested it, he wouldn't say no. Uh, I think I feel pretty similarly like that. Like, there's nothing here that makes me want to see it. It's sort of what Midsider GS is saying here, that it's hard to want to see this movie after having seen Maverick, especially because the same guy who's in Maverick is in this movie. I don't know if you noticed that, William. Yeah, yeah. I, I was laughing. I was like, wait, is this like a side, like, sequel or is it a prequel or have i just watched too many disney plus star wars trailers to assume these are linked but uh, and midsider gs said if this had come out around the same time as 10 mid pandemic i probably would have seen it uh but when i j- could just watch maverick again why would i and i think you know that's a, that's a pretty good statement on this trailer especially even the mid pandemic thing like when i was really itching to go to the theaters i would have seen something like this and if there was nothing else to see i'd probably see it but I'm not going to go out of my way. Tackle. Tackle. Hey, it's got guns. It's got explosions. So that's good. Um, but I like a, I think I have to agree with the midsider that, that, that said, why watch this when I could watch Maverick again? I'll just watch Maverick. So sorry. Unless, uh, unless something changes, I'll just watch Maverick. Tackle. Final trailer. House of Darkness is a horror movie starring Justin Long and Kate Bosworth. I believe the premise is Justin Long uh, is on a date, and he goes back to Kate Bosworth's house, which is an old mansion. To contract then... monkeypox. <laughs> I mean, look, this is where the me- metaphor of vampires came from, right? Yep. Because vampires are all about heightened sexuality leading to dangerous things, including being undead, right? There's a reason... These stories became horror stories and these monsters became horror monsters. Look, I like Justin Long. I like horror stuff. I think this could be interesting. Right? Uh, Midsider Ed Joe is saying he gives anything horror a chance. Netflix and Hug. 
I'm hoping there's nothing else coming out around this time because this isn't something I would highly prioritize, but with the acting talent and with the, you know, the mood, the ambiance that's created in this movie, there's some technical proficiency here. I think this could be good. And especially when you put the name Bram Stoker up, I'm interested to see how you invert the traditional vampire dynamic where this time it's three female vampires. I'm assuming they're vampires pursuing one young man when it's usually the invert invert. uh, It's usually inverted. It's usually the inverse is the word I was looking for. So I'll see this hug. Mm, Hug. I don't know about that sound, but (laughs) well, yeah, I don't know. This doesn't look very interesting to me. I'm sorry. It looks, uh, looks like it's going to be well acted and well shot. So, no knock there. Maybe if I there was nothing else on, I would put it on here at home. But just looking at it, it just doesn't. It didn't draw me in. So unless Justin comes back with a rave review, tackle a rave review like I did with Bullet Train, which you're going to see now, right? I'm going to see now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's worth it. What else did you learn this trip, William? Well, I learned that uh, we have reached uh, a peak farce, but not the peak farce with uh, this week's story of. Uh, homeless people charging rent and so therefore I'm going to start charging rent uh, at the casino this week when I'm in Vegas uh, I'm going to set up a tent rather than uh, stay in my hotel room and just uh, start charging rent because I need to make some money Justin what did you learn this trip I learned that every time I go to the bathroom in a public place I need to have an existential crisis before I decide which bathroom to go into I don't just make a risk assessment and say that's safer for me to go in that one I have to figure out how I feel what my energy is and how to balance that before I go in the bathroom all right I want to thank everyone for listening to the show if it wasn't for you this would just be me talking into the corner of my closet like a crazy person still is that but I'm a little bit less crazy thanks to you if you want to support the show, you can go to the midside.com slash store and buy any of our merch or midside.com slash the cut and you can buy my novel. You can also go to midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash locals. Uh, Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's how you can give us support for the actual episodes, which is what we actually do. Or you can just tell a friend. Tell a friend how much fun you had in the midside and how we don't charge $200 a month to be in the midside. Although if you want to give $200 a month on Patreon, we're not going to stop you. $200 a month on local, we're not going to stop you. But what we would love is if you would tell a friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emblesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have an orgy-free day. So Justin, if I uh, if I contract monkeypox this week uh, in Vegas, there's only one person I'm going to blame. Chandler, it's all your fault.